if you And this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about blind spots in our lives. Have any of you ever uh, done the Highlights magazine with the hidden pictures? Anybody ever do that? Is that just too old? Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I used to love that. When I was a kid, our, our dentist had it in the waiting room. So I, it was the only good thing about going to the dentist. Uh, and you had to find all these pictures that were hidden, and they were hard to find. Um, and some of them, some of them were easy to find. Uh, I think the same is true in our lives. We, we have some blind spots. Some of them are easy to find. Other, others are a little more difficult. So we're going to try to look for those this morning. Look for those as you read God's word. And beginning in verse 35, we read, Jesus heard that they had thrown the blind man, that's him, out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. And some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Let's pray together. Thank you, Almighty God, that you have called us to be your followers, but not just your followers, to be those that you would share your grace and your mercy with, and not just those you would share your grace and mercy with, but, but to whom also you have called to be your children. You are such an awesome God. We bow before you this morning, asking that you would open our eyes and our ears but most of all, that you'd open our hearts, that we would hear your voice. If we haven't already heard your voice, that we would be able to renew ourselves by opening ourselves up to you and allowing you to come in and transform us. Thank you, Father, that you've given me this opportunity. I ask that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would receive all the praise and the glory, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning, we're going to talk about blind spots. Blind spots. Now, did you have something to say? Ah, oh, the moment for missions. We missed moments for missions. Uh, please, please come. Please come and share a moment for mission. Uh, you want to hand me the... The blue one? The, no, 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 the mic. Thank you. Blue. There you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Wasn't that a great way to begin the day with Mr. Hoover's witness? Please remember, if you've been saved, making that public profession of your faith through baptism is one of the most meaningful things you will ever do. I, I did it, and it, it meant a great deal. And it means t something to everyone here, too, when you do it. Uh, well, good morning. My name is Larry Haynes. I'm a member of the Busy Bee Sunday School class. And uh, the missionary for the month of November is the missionary which our class is uh, tied together with. Uh, it's a couple. Their name is uh, Dwight and Barbara Bullock. That's their picture up there. That picture is a little bit older than, uh, uh, than I expected it would be because I think they have one with the kids a little older. The kids are now about t uh, 16 and 10, uh, Jack and Will. Anyway... Uh, 
Those are the Bullocks. They serve in southern uh, Chile. They serve the uh, Mapuche indigenous people down there. And I've mentioned those folks to you before uh, on, on occasion, and uh, I think that uh, some of you might even uh, feel familiar with them as a, as a result of the number of times we talked about them. You may also remember Barb Bullock, who was uh, here a little over a year ago, a year ago last month. And while I think about that visit that she made here a year ago, let me say from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for the attendance on your part when she was here. There was something like 60 or 80 of you, I can't remember just what it was, who came out to see her that Wednesday evening. And the, uh, the financial contributions were wonderful. They appreciated it. Our Sunday school class appreciated it. And it really it let the light of this church really shine. So thank you again for your support last year when she was here. I expect that she or Dwight will be back in about uh, three or four years maybe. Uh, you know, I could go on with uh, a list of all the projects that they are involved in, but in consideration of the time here, I'm not going to do that. But let me tell you something about all the missionaries and what occurs to them. Dwight wrote to me about two weeks ago and said, You know, Larry, he said it's becoming more difficult to move twice every four years. What he meant by that is this. They serve in Chile. They've been there since about 2002. But every four years or so, they come home for a home assignment, which is about eight months, nine months, ten months, something like that. So that means taking their kids out of school, moving back to Texas in this case, where his parents are, and then from that base in Texas, using the next uh, eight months to not only get reacquainted with family and so on, but also to raise money. Because the missionaries today have to raise the majority of their own salaries. And that is a remarkable change from the way it used to be years ago. So Dwight and Barb, especially Barb, she will go to church after church after church for months while they're on that home assignment trying to get prayer support, trying to get financial support. That is not an easy life, moving, and moving back up here, and then after eight or nine months, moving back down to Chile again. They do that every four years. The other consideration is um, they, all these missionary families have family back here. And you know how it is with families. You have emergencies. You have health considerations. Dwight's family in Texas, his parents are in their 90s, and uh, they are suffering from dementia, from Alzheimer's, from those kinds of things. Barb had a, a brother living in, Tex living in uh, Miami, and he uh, committed suicide three or four years ago. There's a long story there. So she had to leave Chile, go to Miami. They have needs and things happening in their families and health considerations, just like all of us. But they're in Chile, and somehow they have to handle it from there or come back home. So uh, what's really needed is prayer support for all the missionaries. In this case, for the next month, month of November, think about the Bullocks. Keep them in mind. If you would have an interest or feel led to support them in any way, uh, financially, uh, let, let, us, let us know. Our Busy Bee Sunday School class, we're in touch with them closely, and uh, we would uh, give you a little guidance and all that. Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Paul, or Pastor Dave. That's Paul. right. Close enough. We look a lot alike. <laughs> He's better looking. Ouch. Pastor Appreciation Sunday right there, boy. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Larry. And, and, uh, by the way, I, I wasn't here for the announcements. I do hope that Dan mentioned Christy Engel coming Thursday night. 
And uh, my, my sister-in-law, Barb's sister, uh, will tell you that Christy Engel is the best missionary speaker she's ever heard. I don't know what that means, how many she's heard. <laughs> it's the only one she's ever heard. No, that's not true. Uh, but, uh, but I encourage you to come. It's always an exciting time to hear what God's doing around the world. I, and, and Christy is now a global missionary, uh, which means she has responsibilities for, um, for encouraging and helping missionaries around the world, not just in a certain area. Um, and so it, it's kind of incredible the way those things are changing. I encourage you to come and be a part of that. What's that? What what time? Six o'clock, I believe, is the meal. Right. Six is the meal, and then Christy will speak afterwards. Encourage you to come and be a part of that. All right. So this morning we're talking about blind spots. Remember that? And uh, and so what I want you to do is think about your blind spots. Now, everybody knows that when you're in a car, not everybody, but hopefully if you're young enough that you don't know yet, you'll pay close attention right now. Because someday you will probably sit behind the wheel of a vehicle. And you need to know that there are blind spots when you drive. There are places that you can't see because your mirrors don't cover every spot. And so you're always told that you need to check your blind spots, right? So when you're driving and you're going along and you want to change lanes, you make sure that you turn your head and actually look, glance in the direction of the blind spot because there may be a person or a vehicle that is beside you and if you don't check that, you could run into them. It's a blind spot. You always want to check your blind spot. Well, in this morning's passage, and as we begin to think this morning, I I want you to be aware that you have spiritual blind spots as well. We all do. There are places where we have to actually, uh, with with preconceived thought, uh, to look, I can't think of the word I'm thinking of, that's why I'm trying to talk around it. Intentional. Thank you, Kenny. That's why Kenny's here. I know. Isn't that amazing? Uh, must be Pastor Appreciation Sunday. <laughs> no, uh, uh, you have to intentionally look for those blind spots. So this morning, I want you to think about where your spiritual blind spots might be. Let me give you some examples of where your spiritual blind spots might be. Okay. For instance, some of you have been taught things since childhood. And you have decided those have to be true because after all, those are the things I was taught when I was a child. Be very careful. Some of the things you were taught as a child may not be consistent with the word of God. So you want to check that blind spot. You say, well, I I grew up... uh, well, Dick grew up Lutheran for a while, and then he was Methodist. Dick has all kinds of blind spots. <laughs> Ouch, I know. <laughs> no, but, but you want to be careful. I mean, you, you know, your background, you may, you may be Baptist, and, and sometimes Baptists teach things that really uh, aren't necessarily according to the Word of God. That's why it's so important to be in the Word of God. Watch those things. Uh, how about uh, beliefs that support your lifestyle? Uh, people do this all the time. Uh, um, you can watch it on TV. Watch preachers support their lifestyle by preaching and telling you things that aren't necessarily consistent with the entire Word of God, but they like their lifestyle, and they're going to make sure that, that what they think supports what they live. Don't, 
Don't take what you live and say, that's got to be right. Take what God says and then connect it with, with how you live. Okay, that's a blind spot. Okay, so you, you, you want to watch that. Um, also, um, life circumstances can sometimes be a blind spot. Uh, we can be caught up in, in a struggle in our lives. We might have lost our job or, or we, we might be caught in, in some other uh, physical struggle or uh, struggle with a family member or with a friend um, or, or, or life may just be falling apart. And, and sometimes in the midst of that, we begin to, uh, to make I don't want to say make up, but, but, but we tend to read things kind of uh, askewed with a blind spot there because of what's going on in our lives. You want to be careful of that. Um, and so this morning, when we, when we come to this passage, Jesus has just healed the blind man, and he's going to use this as an illustration, an opportunity to challenge us to check our spiritual blind spots. And help us to do that this morning. So here you are. You, you, you've been thinking about uh, who am I? Where do I come from? How did I get here? And this morning God wants to challenge you to check your spiritual blind spots. And Jesus is going to use this story of the blind man being healed uh, to help you see your blind spots. Now, I want to I remind you of the story a little bit. It's an interesting story, and I encourage you to read it when you get home. Re- read all of chapter 9, or maybe during the pastor appreciation dinner. Uh, you might want to read it then. I don't know. But find a place to sit down and read all of chapter 9. It begins with the disciples coming to Jesus. The disciples. The followers of Jesus, like you and I. Okay, And they come to Jesus, and they want to know who sinned. The blind man or his parents that he was born blind. This poor guy was born blind, okay? So who sinned? They want to know who sinned. What they really want to know is whose fault is it? Who can we condemn? Really? Whose fault is it that this man was born blind? Was it his parents' fault? Was it his fault? Did he sin in the womb? I mean, I, I don't know what they're thinking, but they're busy trying to point the finger. Now, most churches would never do such a thing. Okay? The people in them would. Uh, uh, you, you see, we, we sometimes are quick, the disciples are quick to ask that question. Who sinned? Quick to, to point the finger. Now, Jesus says, uh, neither, of these, n- neither of them say That's not the issue here. I mean, obviously, they both sinned, right? Scripture says we've all sinned. That's not the issue, he says. The issue is the man was born blind so that God could be glorified. It's all about glorifying God, not judging. By the way, what is worship all about? Worship should all be about glorifying God, right? Not about condemning others or those. And so, you know, that person you were looking at across the pew that you were thinking, what are they doing here? Uh, Okay, it's time to stop that and start glorifying God. That's what we're here about. Uh, So the disciples asked this question, all right? Now, Jesus has healed this man, and as he heals this man, he goes back home. Now, there's a problem when he gets home, because you see, when he gets home, his neighbors can't figure out uh, if he's really the blind man or not. I mean, they look at him, and and see, the problem is they can't figure out who he is, because they already have these ideas that this just can't happen. I mean, people aren't born blind, and then the next thing you know, they can see. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. Unless, of course, you would happen to believe that there is a God who would be willing to step down and heal somebody. You have to have that belief in your heart. Now, the problem is they can look at him and see he's healed. 
So then they have a question, what are they going to do? Well, they could say, it's not really him. And some of them said that. Well, can't be him. This guy can see. The guy that was born blind, he's blind. But here he is, he can really see. So now they're stuck. What what are they going to do? Others say, well, there he is. What are you going to do? He must be who he says he is. And, of course, the man is, I, I get this image of him. This is not what the scripture says, but this is the image I get. He's jumping up and down saying, it's really me. I can see. What's your problem? John, we've lived next to each other for 20 some odd years. Look at me. Same face. Just eyes that can see. And still, no, it can't be him. Isn't that interesting? How, how, how we all, the truth of the matter is we all do that, don't we? You know, one of the most amazing things to me about blind spots, ha, have you ever been driving down the road and pull out like from a stop sign and all of a sudden there's a car there? And what do you say? Where'd that car come from? Now, wait a minute. What do you mean where'd that car? That car was obviously there. You just didn't see it, correct? But rather than say, I didn't see that car, we say, where'd that car come from? Now, wait a minute. Now, I I, want to challenge you because here's what happens in our lives. We are frequently confronted with truth. And rather than saying, that's the truth, we say, how did that happen? How did that come about? It's interesting to me. I've been listening a lot uh, to uh, some very well-educated Christian brothers and sisters. Who, one in particular, John Lennox, if you ever get a chance to listen to him, uh, he teaches uh, mathematics at Cambridge University. Uh, or, yeah, I think it's the university now. Um, and and he, uh, he's a professor. He's got a Ph.D. in mathematics and a Ph.D. in the philosophy of mathematics. And he's a believer, real solid man. And, and he, he, says, he says this, which is so true. He says, you know, the science never changes. The science is always the same. That doesn't change. When, when you do the science experiments, it, that, that's, the, that's there it is. It's the belief system you come to, w- to the information with that changes how you see that truth. So stop and think about that. Uh, these neighbors could see him. He's, he's, he could see. He obviously could see. Obviously, it's the same face. He lives in the same house. There's all those things that make it very clear that he is who he is. But they still say, is that really him? And, and then there are the Pharisees. The Pharisees get all upset at this poor blind man who's simply been healed by Jesus. This poor guy is kind of stuck in the middle. And because the, the, uh, the Pharisees have decided that Jesus is not who he says he is, then they decide that this blind man must not be, something else must have happened to him. Somehow Jesus could not have healed him. And so they do all kinds of things. And, and one of my favorite parts of this story uh, reminds me of a VBS situation that was set up years ago. Pastor Scott uh, set this up, and it, it was incredible. Um, it was uh, a Jerry Springer takeoff. Does anybody remember the Jerry Springer show? Jerry Springer was this guy that liked to... in enrage people and get them all wound up. And so in this VBS sketch, uh, which was centered around the blind man, uh, Jerry Springer brings in the blind man's uh, parents. And uh, their response to everything was, we don't know, ask him. 
We don't know. Ask him. And, uh, and the neat thing about this whole setup was um, these were brothers who all played the different parts. So uh, Mike and Susan were the parents of the blind man. And Andy was the Pharisee. And I'll never forget because uh, at one point I thought, this is getting out of hand. When the, when the chairs began to be lifted up and people looked like they were really going to hit each other, I'm like, wait a minute, let's back up here a minute. This is a VBS sketch. But that's literally what was happening within the confines of this story. The, the parents were constantly being uh, asked by the Pharisees because, you see, the Pharisees didn't want to believe it. So they wanted to find proof that it couldn't be what they could see and which was obviously clear. And so they're constantly bringing in, they bring in the parents, and then they bring in the blind man again. And the blind man actually says, I refuse to be blind for you to, to have your worldview supported. I mean, he doesn't say it in so many words, but that's really what he's saying. And so often in our lives, the truth stands right before us. Right before us. And because we have already have preconceived ideas, or, or because we've, we've already decided that it can't be, or because before everything else, We've already sat down and said, I I don't think this can ever happen. We miss the truth in our lives. Let let me stop a minute because um, I just want to ask you a question real quickly. Just stop a minute. There, There are some people here that may have never said yes to Jesus, okay? So you just saw Dick go through the waters of baptism. We talked about the fact that Jesus died for Dick's sin. And for our sin. And and the fact of the crucifixion is is really indisputable. Jesus actually was crucified. you 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 can't get beyond that. And Jesus was put in the tomb. There, there are historians that have, have, uh, have noted that Jesus was put in the tomb. That's not in dispute, folks. That Jesus lived, died, and was buried is not in dispute. And the fact that after three days the tomb was empty isn't in dispute either. He wasn't there. So the question comes to you and to us. The question is, do you believe that Jesus rose again from the dead or don't you? The evidence is all there. You have to decide. And you can look at it and say, no, I refuse to believe that. You can do that. But realize that you bring your preconceived ideas to that tomb. There are witnesses that say they saw him alive after he was crucified, which has been verified, after he was put in the tomb, which has been verified, dead. As a matter of fact, we have the whole uh, witness of his side being pierced and the blood and the water flowing out from his side. There's no way he was alive when they put him in the tomb. The truth of the matter is the tomb is empty. What are you going to do with that? And there are people who say they've seen him alive. What are you going to do with that evidence? And I would suggest to you that if you would honestly and openly look at the evidence, you would have to say, Jesus did rise again from the dead. And if that's the case, then the question is, what are you going to do about that? He's calling you to give your life to him and follow him. And he's offering you the gift of eternal life. If he rose again from the dead, then isn't it possible that others can? So then you have to decide. 
The Pharisees refused to believe. And there were those who were neighbors of the blind man refused to believe, though he stood in front of them. The question is, what are you going to do? Now, for those of you who are already followers of Jesus Christ, be careful. It's easy to say, well, yeah, I'm with you 100%, Pastor. But wait a minute, because my guess is you have some blind spots too. And I just want you to hear once again, the blind man said, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, what's he say? I was blind, and now I see. And that's what Jesus wants for us this morning, to very clearly see. Very clearly see in our lives, even to check our blind spots. So let me suggest as we come to our passage, you notice I've talked all around it. We haven't quite gotten to it yet. All that was introduction. How's that? All right. So, so, but, but I want you to see what this scripture says. Okay, first of all, if you want to check your blind spot, your spiritual blind spot, one of the best things to do is to begin to see the possibilities. We live in a world that constantly wants us to see the impossibilities. But Jesus would have us step back and see the possibilities. Is it possible that Jesus can heal the blind? Is it possible that Jesus could step into your life and transform that place that you've decided that nothing can change? Is it possible that Jesus can step into your situation and make a difference in your life today? Are you willing to see the possibilities? Jesus comes to this blind man and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And there's the real question. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And if you believe that, then he is Lord of the universe. And if he is Lord of the universe, then nothing is impossible. There are possibilities everywhere. In that relationship that is falling apart, there are possibilities. In that financial situation that looks impossible, there are possibilities. In that sin that you just can't seem to get over, that place where you just can't seem to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to let go of this, there are still possibilities if you believe who Jesus really is, that he is the Son of Man, and that for him all things are possible. Jesus once was talking to his disciples, and he told them how difficult it was for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. And you have to understand, they thought if you had lots of money, it proved that God loved you and was blessing you beyond measure, and therefore certainly you had heaven. Jesus threw a wrench in all that. See, that was their blind spot. Jesus threw a wrench in all that, and he said how difficult it was for a rich person to truly trust in Jesus and therefore find himself or herself headed to eternity. And Jesus looked at them, and he said, with this, with man, this is impossible. But with God, what's he say? How many things? All things. All things are, are All things are Do you believe that? Now, here, here's my guess. While we're sitting here in the pew, and, and we're not having to deal with all this other stuff, we're saying, oh, yeah, all things are possible, Pastor. I'm with you. All things, Pastor. All things. But then the question comes, when you get home tonight, or when you go home, uh, or get up tomorrow morning, when you go to that job, or when you are, are caught up in, in, uh, in your own life, and when th- you face those impossibilities, then the question is, do you really believe that?
I'd like to go on, but we have to keep moving. You have to see the possibilities. Not only see the possibilities, but you have to see with compassion. If you want to check your blind spot, see people with compassion. It's so easy to be judgmental rather than being compassionate. Now, I want to be very clear about something because some people read this passage, and we just read it, and Jesus says, for judgment I have come into the world. Did you see that? Now, a lot of people say, ah, see, Jesus came to condemn people. He's come to judge them. That's not what it means. I know that's not what it means because in John chapter 3, verse 17, the scripture says, for, God, for, for Christ came not into the world to condemn the world, but what? That the world through him might be saved. So the question is, what's it mean when Jesus says he's come to bring judgment? Well, it's very simple. If you stop and think about it, judgment is not necessarily condemnation. Judgment is forcing you to make a choice. And when Jesus steps into the middle of your life, then you have to make a choice. Are you going to follow him or aren't you? I, I love that, uh, that, uh, that video that we've played a number of times with the, the, the lady who who's, gets off the stool, which symbolizes the center of her life. You remember that one? And she gets off the stool because she wants to give Jesus the center of her life. So she has Jesus sit on the stool. Um, But while Jesus is sitting on the stool, she keeps climbing on his back, trying to get back on the stool. Uh, The purpose being when Jesus stepped into her life, she saw she made the correct judgment. Yes, Jesus, you need to be Lord of my life. But the problem was she, she continually tried to climb back on. And in so doing, was judging herself. When Jesus looked at people, he looked at them with compassion. He judged them as people who needed his love and his compassion. And he did that no matter who they were. When he calls us to follow him, he calls us to see others with that compassion. You remember the story, don't you? Very important story in our congregation. The story of the Good Samaritan. You remember the Good Samaritan's question? Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And we talk about neighbors all the time here because we're all about being neighbors, making neighbors, and building God's neighborhood. And so we talk a lot about neighbors. And, and so he wants to know, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And, and I don't need to go through the whole thing, but just real quickly, a, a guy gets beat up. All the religious people go by, and this Samaritan stops, and he takes care of the man who's been beat up. As a matter of fact, takes him to the hospital and says, hey, listen, he doesn't have any insurance. Obamacare doesn't cover him. I'll pay whatever it costs for you to take care of him. I'll be back in a week to make sure he's all right. Now, that's a paraphrase. But that's what the story says. Stick with me. Okay? And Jesus says to him, which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law had to say, and notice he won't even say the word Samaritan. He says, the one who had mercy on him or the one who had compassion on him. And Jesus says this, what? Go and do likewise. If you want to overcome your spiritual blind spots, see people with the eyes of Jesus, offer to them his compassion. Not, not judgment, not, not condemnation, but rather his judgment of love and compassion. He judges them as people who are lost. Jesus looked at people and said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. He said, they need to know that God loves them. And then he said to his disciples, I want you to go, and I want you to reach out to them with the love of Jesus. Reach out to them, not with a condemnation of judgment, but rather with the love of a judging heart that says, you need to be loved. 
that's what compassion is all about. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people say, oh, pastor, you're easy on sin. No, no, that's not being easy on sin. I'm not saying go to them and say, hey, you know, it's great that you're running from from spouse to spouse to spouse, you know, you, 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 you're, you're having three affairs while you're married. That's a good thing. No, that's not a good thing. But you look at them as a person who needs the love of Jesus because obviously this is a person who really needs to be loved and needs to know that, that there is someone who would fulfill their need, not just their want. First, they, you know, the other half of that is they have to be open to that, right? You, you, can, you can share with them, but they may not be open to them. And, and the key to sharing with them is simply loving them and taking those opportunities. But recognize they may not respond. Uh, we're way over time. So real quickly, lastly, and probably most importantly, if you want to check your blind spot. I, I love the Pharisees. The Pharisees say this. They say, what, are we blind too? They get it. They get it. I want you to see that. That's what this is all about. They get it. What, are we blind too? And Jesus said, no. Uh, If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But because you claim to see, you're guilty of your sin. Followers of Jesus Christ, you claim to know Jesus. You claim to believe that he is your Lord. What that means is that when he shows you something that's wrong in your life and you don't do anything about it, then what you're doing is holding yourself guilty of that thing until you're willing to let go of it. And Jesus is calling you this morning to look honestly in your life. Look honestly at the mirror. Don't... Don't pretend anymore, okay? You, you can pretend with the rest of the people when you leave. Say, yeah, I'm a good, righteous person. We all know the difference anyway, but you, you go ahead and pretend. But this morning, just for a moment, stop and look at your life and say, okay, Jesus, show me. Show me where it is that I am not right with you. Now, that's a hard place to go, isn't it? So go there reminding yourself of his grace but go there. Because as long as we don't go there, that spot becomes a blind spot for us. And a blind spot isn't necessarily a place you don't see. It's sometimes a place you refuse to look, right? We call them blind spots when we drive because we can't see when we just look in the mirrors of the vehicle. But if we're really honest about the way we drive, we turn our heads and look at those spots. And followers of Jesus Christ, too often we walk around and we refuse to look at our own struggles and our own faults and the places where we fall short. And the sad part about that is not that we can walk around feeling good about ourselves. The sad part about that is we can't walk around being forgiven of those things and set free from those things. When God had the Israelites uh, build the tabernacle, um, which was an opportunity for them to see uh, their relationship with God in just a real physical way, uh, one of the things he did was he had them create what was called the laver. It was a, a basin, a big basin, and it was made out of brass. And back in those days, the ladies used mirrors made of brass because brass really reflects. And if it's smooth, you can see yourself in a brass mirror. It's incredible. And so all these ladies, God bless them, they, they offered to God their mirrors. 
They're brass mirrors. Now, I want you to think about that. These are ladies who are willing to give up this opportunity, uh, this mirror in their lives. Okay, I'm not going any farther with that. I can dig myself really deep with that one. Uh, and they, they, they took those mirrors and they fashioned them into this basin. And what would happen is you would go and the, the priest would take your sacrifice and would kill your sacrifice. And as a result of that, the blood of the sacrifice would get all over. Okay? And then you would go, and you would go to the lava, which was next, a big basin filled with water. And you would go, and you would take that water, and you would wash in that water. And of course, what you would do is you'd wash for a while, and then you'd look. Why would you look? You, you want to see if there's any other place. Is it all off, right? Just like you go to the mirror this morning and you brushed your teeth. And then you, I hope you looked in the mirror so that you didn't have any toothpaste sticking out the side of your mouth. So, so that you looked halfway decent when you walked in this morning. So, so they would look to make sure they had all the blood off. And, and God was saying, listen, I'm washing you clean. I'm washing you clean. But you have to look in the mirror and see where it is and confess these things to me. And as you do that, I will wash them from you if you're willing to confess them and you look at them not to say "Ooh, look at that that looks awful that's what i think first thing in the morning when you look in the mirror Uh, but rather than doing that you you look in it so that you will be clean set free forgiven not a time to beat yourself up it's a time to look at who you are in light of christ and say, Jesus, I want to be more like you. And have him come in and begin to transform your life. Begin to heal you. Begin to make you different. Make you more like him. So that you can enjoy life to its fullest. That's what Jesus offers. Not just life eternal, but life to the fullest. He wants us to look at our blind spots. And be able to live for him. And celebrate the life he has for us. Now, this is where we're going to stop in the book of John because next week starts our service, I mean our our season of Thanksgiving. So so I I have to do some things really quickly for you because we're going to come back to the book of John. This is chapter 9. Jesus is asking them to believe that the impossible is possible. Jesus is asking them to see others with compassion. Jesus is asking them and us to look at, look at ourselves and see if we really believe who Jesus is. In chapter 11, a guy named Lazarus is going to die, one of Jesus' best friends. You may remember this story. And Jesus is actually going to hear that Lazarus is sick, and he's not going to go right away. Because he knows that God wants to bring Lazarus back from the dead to show the world that he is truly, that Jesus truly is who he says he is. And so he waits a few days. This makes no sense to me or to you. He waits a few days. And Lazarus dies. And then he goes to Lazarus' house. And as he gets there, his, Lazarus' sister Martha comes out. Says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You hear what she's saying? If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died because you would have healed him. He would have been fine. That's a pretty bold statement. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. She says, yeah, Jesus, I I, I believe that. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm sorry, I misquoted because she's the one that says, 
My brother will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And I want you to hear very clearly that then later on in the day, well, he goes and he cries with those who are crying over Lazarus' death. He cries with them. He sits with them. He mourns with them. And then he goes over the tomb and he calls Lazarus out from the tomb alive. The reason why I want you to hear that story is because if you don't believe that Jesus can heal the blind man, do you believe that he can raise the dead? And then Jesus is going to go the next step. And the rest of the book of John talks about his own death, his own struggle, and his resurrection. So we stand here this morning, we ask these questions. Do we believe Jesus is who he really says he is? Do we believe that nothing is impossible? Because if we believe that, then nothing is impossible in our lives. Nothing. Do we really believe that Jesus reached out and healed the blind man? Because if he did, then he's calling us to have that kind of compassion to our world that is lost. The kind that goes to the funeral service and cries with them and yet reminds them of the hope of eternal life. And if we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then he is to be not just our Savior but our Lord. Which means we need to constantly look at our lives and say, Jesus, how can I be more like you? Not to beat ourselves up, but to watch him work in our lives in new and powerful ways. Are you checking your blind spots this morning? Do you believe? Do you believe? Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time together this morning. and um, Just thank you, Lord, that, that you have given us opportunities to check, to check our blind spots so that we so that we are faithful to you. Come this morning, Lord Jesus. Help us to make the right choice. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.